It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. Based on the book, The 27 Rules for Influence and Leaders, and so on and so forth. As you already know, it is available in hardcover and paperback. And, of course, the audio book as well, because those are dulcet tones that uh, emanate from your from your vocal capacity. I actually took a walk yesterday morning mm-hmm. after a brutal beach wor- workout on Sunday, mm-hmm. and I listened to my own voice. And what did you think? Sounds nothing like you thought it did. It was weird. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. You got to get used to it. Oh, is that me? You know? We are to episode 63 of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast, and you promised me for the first time of the 62 preceding, um, you were going to actually introduce the guest with their name and what they do. And and what they do prior to like, oh, we've been friends for 25 years. Good to see you. Like, you have to tell us who they are. I practiced. But before we get going, I want to clear something up. Please. I've been hearing all over town that now that Mark Newellberg is here at ESPN. For those that don't know, this podcast is taped inside the ESPN <laughs> West Palm Studios. Um, and so your son, yes, he got a gig over here. He got a gig over here. Yeah. And people have asked me, does that mean I don't have a gig here? Well, so they think he replaced me. Kenny, help me out. Right, I'm here. Uh, you you got to make sure that Steve Noodleberg, everyone knows he's still. Well, no, around. I'm here, man. You, you invented your own job title. Doesn't mean exist in the company history. You chief said, relationship chief officer. Chief relationship C-R-O, officer. Oh, baby. And people go, what does that mean? I go, I have no goddamn idea. That's and what great salespeople do. They create. That's all I've done. I've told you this before. My entire career, I never once applied for a job that was open. I created every single job along the way. Which is why you sit alongside me. That's exactly right. And why I want to introduce, formally introduce Please. our guest, Please. Adam Marshall. Welcome to the show. Adam Marshall, you, welcome to the podcast. Adam is a career connector, great people person, relationship driver, CRO in his own business, and he's an attorney. And you're an attorney. <laughs> I'm an attorney. That's right. So it's your member, Marshall Grant, PLLC. Uh, do you put the Marshall in Marshall Grant? I do. See how That's that works? Me. Yeah. Right up front. Make sure it's up front. 100%. Sears and Roebuck. What happened to Roebuck? <laughs> Nobody remembers. Nobody? Right. Ah. ah. Well, 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 I hope everyone original. remembers Grant. Uh, he's a good guy. Well, you say that now, but when things go sour in <laughs> nine months a year, what about that Marshall guy? <laughs> like, it's just Marshall. That's it. That's all it is. We're welcome regardless. So apparently, um, selling, as I come to learn, because Shay, who is the uh, chief of staff, I guess, at On the Ball. Is he Correct. chief of staff, right? We call him director oh, of director MIH. Of That's right. Make it happen. Make it happen, baby. That's so, right. But you bust his eggs because he's not making it happen he, sometimes. Sometimes, you know, I, I think he's just mounted in, the man <laughs> behind the camera. And so he noted here that selling and you put it in quotes, um, in the legal profession uh, is a difficult proposition in some capacity. And we all decided that really it's not as much selling as it is branding. We live in an age where everyone needs the brand. Whether you are a cog in the machine or you are the machine, everyone must declare and define and develop their own brand. And I guess that's as important as anything else in the legal profession. It is. And, you know, it's all about building relationships. But especially in professional services, you have to have a pedigree. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I was at very large institutional law firms, I didn't have to define our practice areas. I didn't have to define mm-hmm. what we did. 
Um, well, why is that? Because it was already laid out? It was already laid out. These are mega law firms, mm-hmm. 2,000 lawyers worldwide, mm-hmm. so people knew what the brand was. Did you felt your hands were tied in that capacity? Oh, did absolutely. You, did you feel a want and a need to take some creative direction? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we were raised as young lawyers to be practitioners. Learn mm-hmm. your, learn your which craft. Which is what you do. Which is what I do. Not who you are. Learn your craft. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized very early on, though, that it wasn't enough for me, that I was stifling an, an entire side of, of what side? my being. What side of your being wasn't You can't talk about that on this show. but <laughs> <laughs> Creativity, entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. you know, getting out and meeting people. You know, I lost connection. You know, I was drafting and researching and writing all day, every day. I lost touch with who my clients were and what well, the purpose was. What you said when we were walking in about you know a lot of very, very smart attorneys, that that can't only be the value proposition, you got to create something different, and that difference is you. Yeah, I mean, the great differentiator is who we are, what we are. I, I can throw a baseball in any direction from this studio and hit, you know, dozens of brilliant lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're just as good as those lawyers. Um, but that's not why people choose but you. But that's not, not why, why they choose right. us. They choose us for our culture, for our, our relationships, our connections. Culture comes up a lot around here, not just because we record this podcast, at the ESPN West Palm Studios, which is part of Good Karma Brands, which is a company that was founded and operates on the idea of culture, meaning that there are sales and marketing people here who are not tremendous sales and marketers, but what they are is tremendous people who can be molded and educated and learn to be better at that craft. Because at the end of the day, aren't you really only as good as your culture? Like a car is only as good as the brakes? Well, 100%. And, and I always say this. I can teach the law to anybody. But what I can't teach are the intangibles. I can't teach work ethic. I can't teach loyalty. Mm. I can't teach fun. Yeah. And that's why we hire largely on culture. Are you going to fit? Are you going to work hard, play hard? Are I, you I going read, to? I read something this morning by uh, that Mark Cuban wrote that the number one skill set is being nice because people just aren't nice, and that is right now turning out to be the competitive advantage that people have. Which, if you have a culture of people who are not nice. It bleeds over everything. But real nice. Authentic nice. Correct. Not bullshit not nice. The yeah, correct. Hey, guys, nice. how are you? Because um, we do live in an unprecedented age of uncivilized civilization. Um, you know, our world leaders <laughs> and, and those in power um, not only uh, are uncivilized towards one another, correct. but really towards humanity and mankind. So civility and niceness, kindness seems to be um, the exception now and not the norm, which is unbelievable. And it didn't used to be that way. It is unbelievable. But one of the things that, you know, it, it what we do is not brain surgery. It's really easy if you're just good to people. So one of the things we do whenever we meet someone new or a prospective client is we take money out of the equation. We show them that we're nice genuinely. We're, we don't charge. You are genuinely nice. We don't charge for consultation fees. We mm-hmm. don't, we're not on a clock. If it goes two hours... Hey, take the free time. We don't slide engagement letters across the table in a first meeting. We let people go home, decompress, talk it over with their their board or their family members or whoever they need to answer to. But we're not we're not hounding them. We're just listening. We're trying to solve problems. Is this a different way to operate in 2019? It is. It is a different way to operate. It is. We've we've talked to business consultants before who think we're nuts mm-hmm. that we just leave wow. time on the table. Now my view is, I'd rather do that than than 
you know, and build a genuine relationship because we don't want to be a churn and burn shop. Mm, we want long-standing right. relationships. There, there's a couple of takeaways there. Number one is it has to start at the top. We use this all the time. The fish stinks from the head down. Mm-hmm. You know, so you live it, breathe it. People see that. So when you shepherd in a culture, Polizziner is the same way. I mean, he is genuinely. Steve Polizziner, who is, uh, Steve is referencing, is the president of Good Karma Brands, right. who was the GM here for ESPN West Palm, came to this market in 2003 when this market was the largest market in the country without a sports radio uh, station affiliate right. outlet. So that's who you're referring to when you say And Polizziner. I saw him yesterday at the uh, Hanley luncheon, and he is, if I had to describe him in one word, he's just a nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody thinks he's a nice guy. So the challenge really turns out to be that we're in a business and business means you keep score so how do you right. balance you know the fact that you want to be nice you want to do all that with the fact that hey the partners are going to sit in the room and go okay first quarter's done show me mm-hmm. you know and that, that's where i think the professional services side of things is getting a wake-up call because he was never asked in the big firm to worry about go get new business it was do here just go machine ba boom ba boom why well, they did make me worry about it but really? on a dime oh okay oh yeah. right that's what happened you right. know when i was at those large firms it was about you know providing service sitting in that office researching writing um and then when you make partner the <laughs> next day it's like all right now you have a business development and origination goal and target but meanwhile everything changes everything changes the next day the next day. And what type of law are we talking about for those that don't know? So we're we're a corporate law firm. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the a lot of the lawyers that you guys have spoken to and have been on the podcast before do a lot of the more consumer stuff. We are soup to nuts in the life of a company. Which, so we're talking to C suite folks. Because directors. of who we dealt with was a terrific alignment for us. Forget about if we were able to do business. That's where the mindset yeah. comes in, is that we both recognized that our transaction would probably be the smallest part of our relationship. It's the people we know, who we can introduce you to, each other to. His office is one of the coolest hmm. law firms I've ever been to. We hold events. No, when, you say, when you say coolest, you mean by design, the yes. aesthetics of everything, the, the feng shui? It's, it's a loft. We've had uh, uh, investment presentations there. We've had uh, clinics there. We've had we brought clients there all the time. Some of our clients use that space. It's very wide open. It's very different than you would think. Is that by design? It is. And we try to be, again, prove that you're nice. We tell people all the time, when you're in Boca, instead of sitting in a Starbucks where the walls have ears, come to our office. We'll give you a conference room. We'll give you a food and beverage, and we'll we'll hang out with you. And of course, I, I then we get to meet. Sleep, I would sleep in the back conference room. <laughs> I believe it. It's so great. It's I so nice. It. You know? And the idea and hopes of fostering developing relationship. That's it. That's it. You know, come. You know, one of the problems with with lawyers in general, and and with corporate lawyers, or, or I should say, with the perception of us. What is the perception is, of corporate lawyers? Well, it tends to be that we're we're. Nuts and bolts. Button down, suit and tie, robot, stiffs. You know, on the clock. You know, every time you pick up the phone, billing, we're billing. Right. So the more that we can diffuse those negative stereotypes, the better it helps our firm and it helps the profession. So come and have a beverage with us. We're not on the clock. Kind of we're just hanging out. Changing the perception of what corporate law not is but can be. Correct. Because you do it differently. And... We need to have open communication. If people don't want to pick up the phone because they think we're going to bill them a point one or a point two, then right. we don't have context. And if we don't have context, we can't do our craft. We can't practice law effectively to solve problems. So how do you convey that message? Because that gets into selling. That's you know branding, but selling. 
how do you convey the message? It, it's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of doing. And don't be afraid to come and meet with us because the meter's not running. This ain't a New York taxi. Correct. So how? Well, we do it a number of ways. One is um, we try to deal in alternative fee arrangements. Tell the client, all right, if we can control all the variables, if it's an internal document where we're dealing with you and you alone and not with some large law firm out of New York or, or L.A. or Chicago, mm -hmm. we can control everything. We'll give you a set price for it. So that Nobody does that. But it, well, it, it's, it's becoming in, vogue. It's becoming vogue. It's in favor. It's like an all-you-can-eat. It's a buffet. Well, the beauty of it is <laughs> we're incentivizing our clients to call us. Right. You know, because we're not on the clock all the time. The around is better for the relationship anyway. Of course. And, and the other thing is it generates more work because now we're hearing their concerns. You know, our question, it's very similar to what you ask, you know, or say in your book. First question I ask often in a, in a client consult is what keeps you up at night? Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's a legal Doesn't problem, matter, a right? non-legal problem. We can solve it. And, in fact, often we talk ourselves out of business. It's a great way to get credibility, by the way. No, 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 no. Guys, you don't have a legal problem. You have an accounting problem. Let's introduce you to a couple of accountants. Hmm. Which is where I think you sort of set the bar, excuse the pun, the bar high. <laughs> well, well done. Thank you. Yeah. I was practicing last night. Ex post um, facto. It's a legal term. means after the fact. It's a Latin <laughs> derivative. I don't know if you know. In, you know, the, the people that you introduce your client base to, used to be added value, and now it's the value. That's the big Ooh, paradigm that's interesting. shift. That's interesting. That, that, that would be a major shift. Plugging into his network. Mm -hmm. um, we were just having lunch with Christine. Hi, Christine, um, from uh, Eisner Amper. She was talking about some challenges. I said, I have an attorney that I want you to meet. And knowing he was coming up, boom, he came and met us. That ability to do that, think of the other person's business and say, hey, I have a subject matter at matter expert for you to talk to becomes why people buy you and the law comes in the trunk absolutely you agree with that what used to be added value is now the basis of which well it's certainly the basis of our brand and mm -hmm. what differentiates us all right i mean at the end of the day <clears throat> solving problems is and, and avoiding problems for our clients is our goal and so to avoid a problem and solve it I, it's a lot less stress and a lot less money for clients if you just don't have problems. Is that a different way of thinking, though, in corporate law? It is. It, it, well, it, it, it involves us being proactive, and, and a large part of that, going back in time to the earlier part of the conversation, it's about relationships. I can't head off a problem if I don't know what your corporate culture is, what your philosophy is, what your goal is. Is your goal to make the most widgets on planet Earth or to sell a premium widget? We need to know that from from a contextual standpoint, so that we can help them head off problems. Yeah, and it's nice. It's nice when you catch it before it becomes a problem. Yeah, you know, and, and in life, right from the get go. And I think this is where it really parallels in sales. You know, the, the people we get to coach and talk to all the time. I go, listen, if I don't like you, the chances of me buying anything from you mm -hmm. are zero. Right. When was the last time you bought something from somebody you didn't like? Right. The answer would be never. Mm -hmm. So. The game right now is, like me first, and then if I'm a fit for the services I provide, and, and to your point when you said sometimes they don't buy from you, I've actually referred business away because it wasn't a fit. Mm -hmm. And I talk about that in the book, which yeah. thank you for, um, he actually taught me a trick about my book today. <laughs> really? What's I don't that? have him share. But the idea that you're not a fit for everybody, so don't try to be. That's Correct. Salespeople go wrong. You Say no 
put, turn that person on to somebody that can legitimately help them and watch how much they talk about you. Yeah. What's the uh, the technology trick you taught us? So it, it's not as though I'm revolutionary here or invented anything. <laughs> Sounds like it. Go ahead. I'm not. So Go ahead, Steve Jobs. I was an early adopter of of reading books electronically, mm-hmm. uh, the Kindle app in particular. So I actually shelled out my $13.99 on Amazon. Not a boy. Paid uh, for a book? Yeah, I paid for a book. Well, someone had to sooner or later. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I'm the guy. Appreciate it. I'm the guy. Um, but I was I was sharing with Steve, the fun for me is you can still do all of the things that you would want to do with a hard book in the Kindle app. I highlight. Can, I can highlight. I can even take notes mm-hmm. and, and stick them on the page. Right. So so I said to him, for me, I like the, the actual book because I'm a yellow highlighter and, you know, I, I want to go be able to go back to it and then show me. Show us. You had it. Yeah, Adam is right. Well, it's it's obviously a radio podcast. It's an audio <laughs> but podcast. But it's okay. I mean, I but, wanted him to show you. Yeah, but and it uh, is on Facebook Live. But so. on Kindle, you're able to. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's I mean, amazing. Highlight, right to highlight it. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So so what uh, what Adam's doing is highlighting a line as if he had a yellow marker. Okay. Which yeah. was unbelievable. Like I, I guess you know I prefer to read offline. I p- still print mm-hmm. articles and stuff like that. Yeah. That's you know sort of my. You're old school. Or, I'm old school. I like paper in my hands too. Yeah. I read paper books also. I have a, a Kindle. I have uh, the app on my smartphones, but I like to just hold a book, turn the page. I agree, but when you're out and about, you know, I don't want to carry right thirty, forty books yeah. in my briefcase, so yeah. I have it all. You're on. You're having nice bre- you're having breakfast in you know in New York and, and lunch in Memphis and dinner in L.A. And so you get, you know, three different well, you are flights. Jet setter, right? And you got, you know, two different flights in three days or one day. And so your your tablet makes sense for you. I like how we're taking decade old technology and make me seem like I'm cutting edge here. Yeah, I like that. It's all packaging. <laughs> <laughs> like Everything this. is packaging. So I have a question Please. because you are a fan of the book. You were excited for me when I He said you know, he bought it. He didn't say he liked it. I mean let's just let's you know we let me, Am I McKenna? Am I missing Kenny, something? I need help. I need help. Can you? Tell I mean, me Steve Michael? didn't explicitly say that he liked the book. He said you didn't say he liked the book. He said you're a fan of the book. He said you're yeah. a fan. And I'll be honest. It's I mean, brutal. I would, I would, I would ask the judge to, you know, strike that or object because I don't remember Adam ever saying he was a fan. I just heard him say he bought it. Steve, it's a good book. Help, help, please. <laughs> go, go ahead, Adam. You're a fan of the book. So you're a fan of the book. You love yes, the book. You told me that. What are some of the major takeaways from where you sit in the? ecosystem i'm curious to know what what you know well it's, it's resonated with you it's funny because one of the things i did share with with steve is i could never write a book because i'm very brief and to the point mm-hmm. so he's got 27 rules i've got four right now i could probably fit all 27 of his under some umbrella of my four Correct. probably right. but, yes, but seeing someone expand it you know there are just some stories some anecdotes that i thought you know resonated with my earlier career and my earlier life Probably the most powerful, and and I do like this, okay, of the book. So we can go on the record as saying I like this. I like the book. Um, You had a line about climbing the corporate ladder and realizing that it's leaning against the wrong wall. Yep. Ooh, that's right. That is a chapter. I love the law. I love the people that I've worked with. I love the large law firms that I was a part of. But at the end of the day, I was climbing the wrong wall. I really wanted and needed to do something different. So partnering up with like-minded people, building a culture, that was just as important to me as doing, practicing good law. Climbing the ladder, but against the wrong wall. Meaning you're getting where you want to go, just not where you want to be. So I was told that a long time ago, and if you listen to any of the 
other, you know, people that are successful in the marketplace, the Richard Bransons, the Mark Cubans, all of them, they all say don't make money the number one factor because you'll get to that destination and you make a lot of money and you're miserable and you have no life and, you know, so, you know, you, you get hit on the head and you say, wow, you know what, I got here, this is the road I thought I would take, it's not all I thought it would be. I think one of the best things about the economy we live in now, there are no boundaries. You, you could basically, in my day, any of the people that worked for me, if they had a side hustle, I would fire them instantly. It was you can't do it now. If they don't, you won't hire them. Then I think they're not right. They're not working because <laughs> they're not working. That's exactly right. You don't have a side hustle. You, you can do doing? things on the internet all night long. So you know, culturally, it's a mindset. It's different. But you said you can't write a book. Yes, you could. We were trained to think that it was something, oh, my God, you wrote a book? I put my thoughts in writing, and I was willing to put it out there, and I didn't care whether people bought it or not. That's not my motivation. My motivation was I had something to say. I put it in writing as a legacy to my kids. You can do the same exact thing, and people are doing that, yet only 1% or 2% of the population actually commits to writing. So, you know, that's part of that same education that you just said, I can't. Yeah, you could. I think your stories of how you do what you do or what people want to learn from. Well, and if I do, or when I do write a book, I want you to pay thirteen ninety nine as the quid pro quo. Guarantee I'll buy two. <laughs> I will buy two at thirteen. Hey, but they'll be hardcover. <laughs> they won't be the uh, Kindle digital download. Probably not. <laughs> I would imagine. 27 rules is a lot. And, and, you know, the next book, I imagine, I'm not going to let them do more than 10 of anything. I don't care. I don't care if it's the rules, the laws, the other commandments. I'm not letting them do more than ten, just because, as you said, perceptively, you're like this could fit under that umbrella. And we live in an age of simplification. Make it easier for me in every capacity. People, I saw today preparing for my own show that we actually do live after the podcast. There's now a business an app so you can buy a car without even seeing it. Wow. They just deliver it. You're buying a that car right? to simplify the process of buying a car, so they drop it off at your house. Like it was a T-shirt you ordered off of Amazon. That's unbelievable. There are five I can think of legitimate national businesses that bring your fast food, your fast casual, your whatever restaurant food to you because we want it as easy. We're becoming a society of just mess and keep it simple. Make it make my life easier as possible. The whole rise of Amazon. We talk about the button on top of your washer. You push the button, it orders more uh, detergent. Because God forbid you go, hey Alexa, order more detergent. So I got I, like I got one that went the other way. I just read about this. Um, anybody who, who lands in an airport and tries to get Uber or Lyft, mm -hmm. it's a pain in the ass. They, they can walk seven miles, whatever. So Lyft is starting a new plan, a new plan in San Diego where the Lyft riders, right. I mean uh, drivers, are actually lining up in a cab line. <laughs> and so when you get off, you you say, I want one, boom, it's right there. Yeah. And so it's a right. whole, they're going back to. Some airports allow that. Some airports are like, well, you they're can't, forcing right. them to do that because it's such a cluster jam with people all over the place picking up the ride everywhere. Because you know how that works. I mean, you know, the, the taxi business and the airports and the city commission. Oh, there's and, all kinds and of the tokens. It was yeah. money. And yeah. now that money's going away because right. it's like the payphone business. What do we do now? You right. were saying. Well, I was just going to say all of this about keeping it simple and technology. You know, people just want the easiest way now. Well, but here's what's fun. I'm able to turn it on its head and use it to our advantage. You know, I can spend an afternoon in West Palm with you guys mm -hmm. and not miss a beat. In the old days, I had to be in my office Correct. to do work. Right. I had right. to be locked into the network at my desk with hard paper. Now I can check my watch, my iPad, my, my phone, get messages, respond to clients, keep in touch with Anything the office. Anything you could do in that office cubicle, you can do anywhere you are now. And what does that allow me to do? 
build relationships. Mm, which people, is a really good investment. People don't want to build relationships at 11.30 at night. Right. No. But I can do work at 11.30 at night. Correct. On LinkedIn they do. <laughs> is that right? Oh, LinkedIn is 24-hour marketplace. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, people, like Asian people still, don't know, how, people people still don't know how to use LinkedIn, mm-hmm. but that's the best investment of time because you're basically able to tell your story in a really relevant way. If LinkedIn got cyber uh, hacked and they held it for ransom for $4 billion and LinkedIn said, we'll wake this out, we'll set this out, you would feel lost because you do a, a large portion of your business through that app. So it's interesting because you know, people have brought it up. Gary Vaynerchuk, who's really big, he, he brought it up. You know, If it did, there'd be the next thing. And so but I'm talking about it's held cyber hostage. No, I understand. No, you no. got weeks so, with nothing. Well, correct. And so, you know, everything, you know, there were people at some point who said, oh, you know what? The phone, you're never going to use that. You still got to use the hard fired phone. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always been the next thing. And the ones who get good in life and good in business go with the next thing. You know, so I didn't know how to use LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn now because it is the best investment of my time. I show people the return on time is unbelievable if it were to go away there would be something else no, i don't mean i don't mean american idol is begot by the voice i don't mean that the next best saying. thing I, exactly. I don't mean myspace and then facebook i'm saying there is a cyber hacking it's held hostage right. and then we want 40 billion dollars right. and you're trying to work again and the linkedin people are like nah we'll wait this out I would not be happy. You're lost for a couple of weeks. I would be not happy, but, but I'm still good at the old school stuff. Right. I was just going to say, I think, those, I think those things are tools. Right. You know, they're, they they're weapons, right. they're arrows in the quiver. Correct. I mean, a great example is the valet, where we're sitting in this studio, the valet is maybe 400 feet away. Mm-hmm. It took 20 minutes to get to the front door because Steve is saying hi to everybody as we're walking in. <laughs> the mayor. You know, that has nothing to do with LinkedIn. Now, maybe he makes some of those connections, and maybe he drills down for his cup of coffee, you know, through an electronic or social media, but it's it's still the pressing the flesh. It's still the seeing people, Correct. which is what builds the, the relationship, the trust, and, and the sticky point. Mm-hmm. And taking that skill set and dropping it into LinkedIn like our friend Joe Mullings talked about who's a CEO who totally bit the apple for doing social media, LinkedIn allows you to scale it. You still have to be able to do it. Most people on LinkedIn are still not relationship driven. They send an invitation without a, you know, saying who you are or why you want to, you know, and then some, and some of the responses I get, because I ask people, hey, thanks for the invite. How do I know you? I don't. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody said that in a, in a restaurant to you or at a networking event, you would never engage with them. So, you know, Understanding that it's an engagement tool, which is a, a tactic. It's not. You still have to it's be able tool. to engage, right? It's an arrow. It's an arrow in your quiver. It's a quiver in your right. Yeah. It's not. It's not the bow, <laughs> right? It's. It's not. Yeah, I mean, it's look, not the weapon. You know, whether it's, it's a tool. whether it's coffee or a meal or a sporting event, it's still about learning what makes someone tick. Building that relationship, spending time with them, getting in their head, knowing their family. Then they're not going to leave. Then, oh, you're gonna have a, then you're going to have a client and a friend for life. The the one of the things about him that uh, so a lot of people don't understand how to use social media or what the cool thing is. Every Friday afternoon, you do something that is really unbelievable. I was I'm invited often. Why don't you tell people what you do because that is how What's you every build Friday culture? afternoon. What do you do? So every Friday afternoon, we have fun Fridays at the at the firm. Mm-hmm. It started as just sort of an unofficial. Let's decompress, you know, effectively shut the office down at 4, 
you know, have cocktails, bring in some, hey. some you know, wine, cheese, some whatever. Meat. What's up? Um, but we sort of expanded it. Now it's capital F, capital F, Fun Friday. We invite, we invite our families. We invite clients. And we've kind of turned our office into a Friday afternoon hotspot, an incubator. How about that? And when it's appropriate, yeah. like when the NCAA tournament is there, <laughs> we go to a place to watch the tournament. Yeah, we, we, we effectively to. shut down the first Thursday and Friday of March Madness. And some of that's just being honest. Which I mean, when we, realized, when we realized that we were eating all of our bandwidth because we're all watching <laughs> games on our computers, right. at that point, you know what, let's make it social. Go somewhere, have yeah. a beer, watch the games, and then we just open it up to our friends. Last question. Yes. F- finish this statement because I know relationships mean all to you. The value of creating relationships is? To decommoditize what I do. What a great answer. Decommoditize what it is you do. Yeah. Okay. In layman's terms. He's not a commodity. Make me different. Make our firm different. Make make the way we practice different. Make it more human. Changing the game. Changing the game. And anybody listening to this can take that same comment and, you know, look at their own business and say the real differentiating part of it is you. You've got to look yourself in the mirror because everything's a commodity now. It doesn't matter what product, service, or price you're selling. People can buy it somewhere else. Adam Marshall of uh, Marshall Grant, PLLC, thank you for your time. And, again, thank you for being the person that bought the book <laughs> on uh, digital download on Kindle. Now thank you, you know guys. who it was. You were, that you were, that flew, you know by the way. Can I also do podcast number 64? <laughs> 60, well, I mean, I mean come on. That's no fast. No, back, we never had back to back. We never, never had back to back. Steve, we wrap every week by you sharing something good from the week that was, the episode prior. It's been two weeks since we last convened. So uh, why don't you share with us something good as we wrap up, put a bow on number 6-3. Something good. I'm going to be in New York next week speaking to my friend Brett Dunn, his group, his uh, national sales meeting for his liquor company called Lucas Bowles. I've known Brett for 25 years. He's watched me, known me, and he had the opportunity to bring in a speaker, and I'm the guy, and I'm super pumped. So I'll go in Tuesday night. I'll, I'll hang with his team, who I've spoken to a little bit already. Wednesday morning, I'll give them my pearls of wisdom. Wednesday night, I'm taking my lady to see the share on Broadway. Share. And the uh, musical. Yeah, and we're going to take New York by storm, so I'm excited. Congratulations yeah. on all. Thank you again, Adam Marshall. Uh, Steve, want to go for 6-4? Want to do it one more time at least? Who's 64? Who can you figure that out? There's lots of them. Some offensive Offensive, line, I was going to say. Right. One of the Matthews brothers. <laughs> Uh, for Steve Nilberg, Josh Cohen saying thank you for listening. We will catch you next time on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody.